correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we have a very special guest on this week, but before we get to that, we want to shout out our podcast for the week, and our podcast for the week is Shared Sagas which is an Australian actual play podcast. Yes, and I don't know how to say it upside down, so I'm not going to try. Nope. <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's an Australian actual play podcast. The cast is entirely Australian, and they play a lot of different games, everything from one-shots of pretty much anything from Onyx Path, Fate stuff. Yeah. They've done Star Wars, Shadowrun. They're currently doing Descent into Avernus, and I'll have to bug Tom and see what they're doing next. Yeah, good people over there. Tell Tom we sent you. Mm-hmm. Tell him to eat some Vegemite for you. <laughs> and uh, there'll be a link for that for you all to find that in the show notes. But I believe it's like podbean.com slash shared sagas or something like that. Yeah, links to Shared sagas.podbean.com. There we go. Yep. Okay. So do you want to introduce our guest? I can. So as many of you know from hearing us ramble about it for a while now, Steve and I went to the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and while we were there, we met someone who was there promoting their own RPG. It's a really neat game. Also, you might have heard us talk about it last week in our Game of the Week segment. It's called The Deitman Files. The Deitman Files. Deitman Files. Okay. So I can't pronounce, but anyway. No one can. <laughs> but anyway, our guest this week is Alexandra, who is the author of said game. So uh, welcome to me and Steve. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming on. So tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe a little bit about the game, you know. Sure, sure. Um, So as Steve said, my name is Alexandra and I am the author and creator of The Deetman Files, a ghost hunting RPG. Um, And don't worry, seriously, uh, 50-50 shot, people say it wrong. So uh, that's really on me and that's what I get for essentially hitting the keyboard and coming up with a name. (laughs) <laughs> that's my bad but uh yeah it is it is a ghost hunting rpg it is powered by the apocalypse system and uh it was created by a ghost hunter for ghost hunters or ghost hunting fans i have been a paid professional ghost hunter believe it or not i once literally got paid to go in and do ghost hunts so i guess that makes me a professional um i have traveled uh to many of the world's most haunted locations um it is my passion my hobby and that has helped inspire some of my creative endeavors. Um, the Deepman Files actually started uh, as a as my book series. And the first book, Echoes and Ashes, A Paranormal Mystery, was released in 2020, two weeks before lockdown, which was not a fantastic time to release a new book, let me tell you. Because all of my marketing stuff went out the window. But, uh, hey, that's okay. You know, release that. I'm still, you know, starting to work on my second book. Not quite feeling the creative, you know, uh, juices going for that sort of writing. And then my friends and I just started kind of branching out and trying some other games. And we started thinking, you know what? If we can't go ghost hunting, why don't we bring ghost hunting to us? Uh, And then that's how this all came to be. We said we could do that. We could write our own game. So we did. We, We put together the Deepman Files and we took it to Kickstarter last year, 2021. Um, we were 400% funded. Um, it went very well. People seem to really be interested in, in the whole project. Um, people have enjoyed it um, from those who have already played it and reported back to me. But uh, we've continued sort of expanding that universe. And we now also have a 13-episode audio drama that is sort of a companion piece. Um, it involves uh, the universe of the Demon Files. is set between books one and book two, but you don't need to have read the books to listen to the podcast. And it builds on some of the um, kind of classes you can play in the game because the characters in the audio drama are all 
they all have a character sheet that would go with them. They're all essentially playable characters that I have created as well. And yeah, uh, my second book, um, Earth and Ashes, A Paranormal Mystery, is dropping on Halloween. And that will sort of conclude the universe for the coming months um, while I sort of sit down and debate a season two and start hunkering down to write season, or I'm sorry, book three. That is my overview. There you go. (laughs) You clearly came to this a lot more prepared than we did. (laughs) No, I'm just really good at talking. Like, really, like, you put me in front of people, I can just go on. Yeah, well, I know I saw you running the game at the convention, and it looked like you had some very enthusiastic people at the table. I did. I was engaged in another game at the time. Actually, both of Steve and I were. Well, I'm so sorry because you would have heard us laughing. I was laughing so hard at these (laughs) players. They were hilarious. They were so good. It was a great time. We got to have a superhero fight in a men's warehouse. Yes. Yeah. That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. These guys discovered a severed head in a uh, school trophy case style. Yeah. On location. So that's pretty cool, too. That's that's a good one. It wasn't the plan, but hey, you know that's what happens, I guess. That's that's role playing games. Nothing's ever the plan. Absolutely, precisely. (laughs) Nothing is ever the plan. So, if I could, you know, how did you initially get into RPGs? And and you know, like, did you start like a lot of people do with Dungeons and Dragons? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious because I'm one of the weirdos who didn't. All right. Yeah, no, no, that's that's absolutely how I got started. Um, let's see, about oh, I would say 13, 14 years ago. Um, it was no, probably 14, 15 years ago. I'm getting old. <laughs> I I had a holiday, a little holiday party for some friends um while I was on break my freshman year of college. And um a new friend that I had made he ended up sticking around much later than everyone else. It was a bad ice storm, I remember. And he didn't, was, you know, a couple people didn't want to quite hit the roads yet, which totally fair, right? And it was like four in the morning and we're waiting for it to be safe to drive. And he's like, you know, I started playing Dungeons and Dragons and I'm looking for people to learn how to play with me. Like, do you have any interest? And I'm like, I mean, sure. It's... I've always kind of known about it, but I didn't know anybody playing it. So yeah, I'll learn how to play with you. So we sort of muddled through it with some pre-made stuff. Um, that was uh, 3.5 is what I started on. And um, we would continue to play like it was me and a group of guys and playing in my mom's basement. <laughs> and we would continue to play for like long summer nights. And like there's something really funny with, you know, my family being like, oh, yes, my daughter has a group of guys over. And it's like, aren't you worried about her? Well, no, they're sitting downstairs rolling dice. I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're some of my best friends. Uh, it was a great time. And uh, I continued that into college when another friend asked if I wanted to go learn to play 4.0 with him. And I said, well, I've never played it. Sure. So um, I went with him plus two other girls. And the four of us went to a friend's apartment in Southside in Pittsburgh. And um, when we got there, there were two other guys. This is going to turn into another story, which is why I'm giving you some prefacing there. So I, I'm so sorry. I did warn you I could talk. <laughs> um, so I showed up and there were two other guys there. And they're like, yeah, we're all going to sit down and like learn how to play D&D. And so at that point, I was actually the most experienced player. So that that's really saying something. That's how inexperienced everybody was. So we sat down and we all learned how to play. And um, that was the night that I met my now husband. Um, that's that's how my husband and I met playing Dungeons and Dragons. So we continued to all play then. And we still play so with some of those people, different people continuing campaigns. Um but yeah, RPGs actually means a lot to me because that is where I met my husband and we did a groom's cake for our wedding and we put like our D&D minis on there and everything. So that is how I started. And that is almost exclusively what I played for many years. It wasn't until like the past like four or five years that I started venturing into other RPGs. Okay. No, I was just curious, you know, because especially in more recent years, there's so many games out so there. So many. You know, I didn't know, you know, interesting background. Yeah, no, no, no. I've honestly, I will say as much as I had grown to love D&D and I was a little bit nervous of 
ever trying to go out and learn anything else because I'm like, do I even have like the capacity to learn yet another role set? I think I personally, I was getting a little burnt out of the genre when I started discovering some other games. I was getting very tired of sitting down and playing, you know, role-playing games with my friends. And it just wasn't bringing me the same joy that it used to bring me. It started to feel tedious. But that's at the point where we started trying other things and friends started to invite me to other tables instead of me having to be the one to facilitate and organize them. And that is how I started to discover the Powered by the Apocalypse rule set and all of the games that came with that because... There are tons, but it's great because once you kind of get the rule set down, it's really easy to pick up other ones. So it's awesome to have different like genres and, you know, different styles of character play and everything, but basically be building off the same rule set. Yeah, I I honestly, I don't think, I don't, have you ever actually played any Powered by the Apocalypse, Steve? Not yet. Every time I go to set one up or have somebody run it, it tends to fall through the floor, but... I've heard nothing but fantastic things about Powered by the Apocalypse. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to run one, and then we decided to change gears because life went crazy. And then the (laughs) game we just wrapped up, I would say mechanically maybe was loosely derived from Powered by the Apocalypse, although it doesn't claim it. Is it a 2D6 system? Sort of. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a weird system. It's it's a game (laughs) called Retro Star. Oh, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay. It's retro sci-fi. Yeah, the best way to describe it would be what if you took the 70s Battlestar Galactica and turned it into a tabletop RPG? No, oh, okay. Well, I mean, that sounds fun, though. <laughs> Except that you play as the cast, not in the world. <laughs> yeah, you're playing as the actors, not the actual in-world stuff. So it's a little bit more meta. You know what? Maybe you guys mentioned that to me at the gaming expo. We might have. Or or actually, I, maybe some of my players, when I played it, when I, I was running um, my game, I want to see some of them actually mention that. And they were saying what a blast it was. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. It's it's dice system. Its base is 2D6, but the way they shift and, and the roll resolution is similar to, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, what is it, 4 to 7, et cetera, yes. numbers. The ranges are similar, but the way they adjust we'll call it advantage disadvantages by how many dice you roll and whether you take the highest two dice or the lowest two dice. Oh, all right. Yeah. That sounds it's, I saw a lot of powered by the apocalypse DNA in it. Let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, the creators are are pretty free with uh, the system and they don't really have that much of an issue of people building off of it. Um, which was really cool. I was able to reach out to them and get, you know, their approval for me to be able to use it and put the uh, claim in my book. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's how it, maybe it started and then evolved. Mm -hmm. It's really easy. I love it for anybody who hasn't given it a shot. And if you're feeling like a little burnt out of some of the crunchy systems like myself, while some of them can skew a little more mechanics heavy, I have found that a lot of them are really great for narrative storytelling a lot of them, and mine, mine included, is very weighted towards the player. The GM is absolutely at a disadvantage with a lot of it, but it's great for telling a story. And if you have a group of good players um, who are willing to like throw some of their own flaws in and things like that, it allows for so many opportunities. And you can pick it up, pick it up and play on the fly, which is also awesome. You do not need a lot of prep time. So, you know, you find yourself stuck inside a cabin in the woods for whatever reason. Hey, let's play a game instead of going and searching for trouble. (laughs) Well, the other thing that at least has been my experience hearing other podcasters, etc. talk about Powered by the Apocalypse is that it's very good at tightly focused games. Yes. Which, given I really have very little knowledge of actual ghost hunting, (laughs) I'm guessing it's a fairly tightly focused thing. It is. Um, I feel like you can, there's some wiggle room to make, at least in mind, to bring in more supernatural aspects than you know you tr- traditionally have in the world of strictly ghost hunting. But besides that, my game is good for what it was designed to do. I would not recommend like taking it and deciding to like throw it, you know, and now turn it into some fantasy romance. Like it's not a great idea because the rules, the the moves, the abilities are all designed around the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that being said, I will always tell people that like your game is your game, and if you want to give it a go, give it a go. I just can't promise you good results. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's anything, right? And and I've been one of those people before. I've said technically you can play any game with any system if you really want to. It just may be a whole lot easier and probably more fun in a game that was designed to do what you're trying to yes, do. Yes, absolutely. I would say mine mine is good for um mine was designed for basically one-shot mystery solving. You could extend it into a long campaign, but my design was not necessarily meant to be that way because uh if you start to acquire too many different moves and abilities, you will become OP so fast and it will take away from like the adventure the mystery solving. Um what I have recommended people do is that they play, you know, essentially one night mysteries and rotate GMs. So if you have a group of five people, everybody has everybody creates their character, and then you just shift out who's running the game, and everybody can design their own mystery, and they don't necessarily have to build off the past things because that's the game isn't about that. Um, now we have played some. Uh, my husband actually ran for ran it for me for a birthday weekend where we ran an entire weekend long game. And that was essentially three arcs that all tied together. So it was essentially three smaller sessions that all tied together for an overall mystery. But still, I wouldn't say this is not great for like a year long mystery campaign. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe the one question that maybe a lot of people are thinking is. Do you need any sort of background in actual ghost hunting to play this? Or Oh, heck no. Heck no. I try to describe everything in there with, like, the equipment. That's where you're going to find yourself lost the most, is that I have an, a page of equipment, and the equipment are things like, you know, you have, like, the spirit board, but you also have the spirit box, delzing rods, um, an EMF. You have, like some fairly well-known ghost hunting equipment but that is probably where you might get lost the most besides that if you have seen supernatural or you know ghost adventures or uh you know any other paranormal or supernatural fiction shows you can totally make this work i literally had someone at the gaming expo buy the book because they wanted to run a scooby-doo mystery like (laughs) they they were planning they were signing who was playing like scooby and everything so absolutely they wanted that's they wanted to create you know mystery inc but they didn't have a good system that would allow them to do that and this is perfect for that i built it in a way that you can either create your own original characters or if you wanted to go and be like i want to play you know the supernatural the rpg like you can create hunters a la the winchester bros or uh, you want to play, you know, ghost Ghostbusters? Like you can absolutely like recreate Venkman. Um, it's doable. That is how I design this. And a lot of the move sets are actually like pop culture references and things like that. It is not a hardcore serious like ghost hunting book. It is more about the humor in pop culture paranormal. Okay. No, because I was looking. I mean, you have a list. Actually, you're telling me the Scooby-Doo thing, and I immediately start looking at the list of playbooks in your drive-through <laughs> listing, going, okay, who's, what's Shaggy? Shaggy would be the intern, and the reason is because he's got a move that's called I Brought Snacks. <laughs> it, I'm, it's, I'm not even kidding you. The intern is, pretty, is, is actually like one of my top three favorite classes or playbooks in the entire game book. And I say that completely unironically because people are like, who would ever want to play the intern? And I'm like, I would. I absolutely would. The intern is wonderful. <laughs> I love him. But yes, that would absolutely be Shaggy because then he would, bring, he would have the move, I brought snacks. Okay. It, <laughs> wow. And by the way, just to tangent a little bit because it's what we do. If you're ever in the mood for something really, really funny, if you go back in the, have you heard of the One Shot podcast? I have not. Okay. It's run by a, a guy that's actually heavily involved in improv theater in Chicago. His name's James, De, James D'Amato. There's a recording on there where he ran Call of Cthulhu <laughs> with the cast of, like, the characters are the Scooby-Doo crew. That would be it's wonderful. Delightful. I'm hysterical. going to need to find that. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. There's also a two-page RPG called It Wasn't Us Meddling Kids. I have seen that. So the basic premise of that one is, what if Shaggy was Shaggy the Rapper? Oh my god. So. (laughs) 
that's that's a goofy one. Um, I picked that up. I I still have yet to run that, but I really want to. It's such a goofy game. This, but no, this does sound like now that you mention it. Yeah, but this, you know, this is taking what I'm guessing is a little bit more of a, a serious approach to the the haunting, but still laying the comedy of. Yes, you can take it as seriously or not seriously as you want. Like, I, so the, my novels, my novels are, you know, like serious mysteries. They are 100%. This is a ghost hunting team that absolutely buys it and they are researching it and that is their thing. The novels are the serious aspect. Uh, the podcast starts to get a little bit in the middle, um, gets a little, little bit more ridiculous. Um, and. The cast of characters, I think, as you hear them vocalizing, helps shed some light on the ridiculousness. And then when you get to the game, you can see, I think, that as much as I love this stuff, I truly love ghost hunting and the paranormal, and I love going and trying to find it. But I am I am not someone who like lives and breathes it and can't admit sometimes the ridiculousness that goes with it. And I think that the game book really highlights that <laughs> that's cool i like that well i i enjoy when things can both be serious and not take themselves seriously yes like i it's absolutely labor of love and i absolutely i i know my ghost hunting stuff like i know my paranormal investigation don't get me wrong but it also means that i can make fun of it and not feel bad in the least <laughs> yeah well it's i you know i shared with you uh, when we talked to both the convention and before we start recording, I actually used to sit next to a guy at work who was an avid ghost hunter. And so I used to hear him ramble on about EVP this and, and I'm going, okay, I, I, I respect your enthusiasm and all this, but you're losing me somewhere with all the technical. <laughs> yes. you know. Yeah. 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 And we have, so basically we created in a way that if you wanted to play a person, like a character that it wants to be that, that technical researcher, you can totally do that. Like you can say, no, I want to play a character that totally takes this all seriously because I take this very seriously. You can do that. I would love to see somebody play that character in a goofy setting because that's the kind of character I would play. I would be the guy that takes everything super seriously, but it's actually just a guy in a rubber mask. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, okay, I'm not... I don't okay. want to spoil anything, but I will say that uh, we <laughs> we address some of that stuff in our podcast as well, <laughs> because we love that idea. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's uh, it's just a lot of fun. Doing this stuff is a lot of fun. Um, I've met a lot of great people doing it thus far. So many people who have either a massive love of RPGs or even just people who really want to talk to someone about their paranormal experiences and never thought they would have someone who would actually listen and be like, that's cool. Like, tell me about it. It's, it's been a blast doing it. And then I get to meet cool people like you guys, you know, who we just met on a whim. So <laughs> it's, it's been a blast. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, like I see, you know, like you've got quite a list of playbooks. It says 18 and I'm not going to yes. count because I believe that you can. It was 18, so it actually started as 15, and then with the Kickstarter, we added three on as, like, special playbooks through the Kickstarter. That is how we added on the Hunter, the Occultist, and the Spirit. Um, and the Spirit is the hard mode class, if uh, you want to play the game on hard mode. Well, you know, you've got the Skeptic, which is like, yeah, I'm guessing the person who got dragged along by their friends, and yeah, okay, Yes, um, the skeptic is a wild character to play. They are they are difficult. It is a difficult class to play um, because their entire playbook is based around them absolutely not buying it. So they will be there. They will have ghosts literally flying around them, you know, throwing ectoplasm, and they just stand there like, no, nope, I don't believe it. This is I, I I doesn't matter if I'm seeing it. I don't believe it because that is their entire character premise. Mm hmm. And I'm assuming a lot of, you know, rationalization of explaining away all these phenomena by yes. probably increasingly more ridiculous means. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's actually one of the characters on our podcast. We have a couple reoccurring characters and one of them is the skeptic um, <laughs> because 
it is <laughs> it is a fun character to throw into the mix when you literally have teammates who are throwing fireballs and they're like, nah, I don't believe it. I don't care. Flash so, paper. <laughs> yeah. So basically Dana Scully from X-Bot. Yeah, like hardcore. Dana Scully when she's literally standing next to a pyrokinetic but just doesn't <laughs> believe it. That's a lot of that show, though. It is. Fair. It is. A lot of that show is Mulder just like pointing at things and Scully being like, I don't know, I don't nope. see nothing. <laughs> I haven't watched that in a while. I need to go back and watch some of that. Just it's on fun. Hulu, and I just started a rewatch of it because I was like, we need something spooky to watch. And she'd never seen X Files. And I was like, this is light enough horror that I think you can manage. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was literally, I'm not kidding you. Let's see. I believe X-Files premiered in 93, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. The year that it premiered, that I was three years old. And um, my father was working on his master's degree. And my mom would be like, I need a break from children. <laughs> Your responsibility now. And so he would be sitting there working on his master's with me a couple feet away in my beanbag chair watching X-Files. So <laughs> I was three years old watching X-Files and then Tales from the Crypt. Um, oh, yeah. And that is a lot of who I am today. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> see, I was much more of a, a baby at three years old. So when my mother would be like, yeah, here's Tales from the Crypt. Just watch this. I would like cry and freak out. I loved the bone man. Yeah, I always liked him too, but <laughs> I just, I couldn't take any of the other bits of that show. And then as I got older, I'm like, I don't understand young me at all. <laughs> See, now y'all like, look, okay. Oh, she the gray hey, here. listen here. You're really <laughs> making me feel it. Just because you were born in 1972. <laughs> I wasn't 72. I was a <laughs> freshman in college in 1993. Oh, I thought you were going to say I was a freshman in college in 72. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we actually used to watch some of the crews that I played Call of Cthulhu with at the time would all get together and watch X-Files. There you go. Uh, some of those episodes absolutely stuck with me, like forever. Oh, home. Mm. Mm. That episode, home. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah, I need to go back and watch a bunch of that. I can guarantee you that like any like solid X-File fan who listens to this will hear me say that, and all of them will be like, ah, yes, that one, the one that was <laughs> removed from broadcast for some years. <laughs> So let me just ask, what got you into ghost hunting? What what was the driving, uh, like, aside from probably Growing curiosity up like that? of it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I can tell you the exact moment where I knew that I wanted to go and look for this stuff. I was in fifth grade, something like, yeah, I want to say it was fifth grade. And they were airing Scariest Places on Earth. Mm-hmm. That was the one that had Linda Blair and then the woman who said, you know, what is it like? This house is clean and poltergeist. You know her. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she was she was the narrator. So in that was like I said, I think it was fifth grade. And I want to say it was the season finale, and they were in Chillingham Castle. And uh, the premise of this for anybody who hasn't seen the show, because you cannot find it anywhere streaming. I have tried. You cannot find it. Uh, the premise was for a lot of these, they would take a family and just like drop them into a haunted location and be like, good luck, make it till morning. And they would have all sorts of tasks and stuff to do that would require them to split up, things like that. And Chillingham Castle was, I think, the season finale. So this family's in there, they're doing their things, they're freaking out, weird stuff's happening, and I'm sitting in a dark basement in a princess dress watching this. And I'm like, I'm loving this. And finally, they roll the credits, the show ends, and then at the end, they tack on like an extra little like clip of the footage. And this like armoire that they had shut slowly starts to open, you know, presumably on its own. I don't know. Maybe there's a fishing wire. Who knows? The fact is, is that fifth grade me watched that clip of that armor opening. And I'm like, I'm going to go find that myself someday. I'm going to find that. So I did. So uh, I was in high school and college, uh, high school and college, right into uh, college from high school. I had done my senior project on um, mass hysteria. So I took a group ghost hunting and studied mass hysteria uh, and then started in college finding places that I could book out for myself and my friends. And um, we would just we would just go ghost hunting. And then over the years, I started to acquire more equipment. Um, I did some work with a team that, you know, went in and 
professionally was going ghost hunting in locations. So I did some stuff with them. And then um, I'm now, you know, back to doing things with my friends and some set people. And we have quite the arsenal of equipment now. Um, I have been to, I don't know, places like Moundsville, uh, that's West Virginia Penitentiary, mm-hmm. um, uh, Weston, West Virginia for the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, Waverly Hills. Uh, I did Lep Castle in Ireland. Um, those are like some of the really big names that people would recognize, I think. Uh, I will say that my first book is actually based off of Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, mixed with Haunted Hillview Manor, which is in Newcastle, uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. And I, because I have been to some of the most haunted places in the world, you know, places that have been on every show, all this amazing evidence. The place that I have received pretty much consistently the best evidence, Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Not even kidding you. But yeah, so that's those are, you know, influenced from my first book. My second book is based off Left Ca- Left Castle, where I've been. But yeah, that's I just super love that stuff. I love getting to go to these places. One thing I always tell people is that ghost hunting is like not nearly as scary as the shows make it out to be. It's a whole lot of sitting in the room talking to nobody, being like, is anybody here? <laughs> Knock! Do something! And and nothing happens most of the time. So it's really not that scary, but it's fun! <laughs> well, I, it's like anything else, right? You know, if, if you enjoy it, then more power to you. You know, and I don't mean that in any way other than sincerely. If It's not for everyone, I will say. It is for some people that is like the worst thing in the world either because it's boring it's stupid or it's scary so (laughs) see i think for me it goes into my imagination gets too active when i'm bored yeah that's fair (laughs) yeah you you you, when nothing happens for a straight hour of you sitting on a cold floor your mind starts to wander takes you an hour Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, I see what you're saying. Your mind starts to wander. Uh, no, uh, for me, it's very quick. But also, half the time when you're using equipment, you're just focusing on that and you can't think about much else. So, I think for me, it would be in the, in the range of two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I'm seriously like, it's, it's really not bad. I, the scariest things I've ever had happen to me. I had like, I've had a couple weird paranormal things that, weren't super terrifying one was unnerving um but the scariest thing that ever happened to me had nothing to do with the paranormal and everything to do with a person being on the property who wasn't supposed to be there Mm. so like that was the scariest thing that has ever happened Mm -hmm. no like i said i I, i'm not meaning at all to be you know disrespectful to anything i'm just saying you know like i said for for me i know my brain i would be and then I would make up things or my main mind would wander. And if something did happen, I would completely miss it. Cause I was thinking about, you know, <laughs> the character I want to make and run three campaigns from now. Ah, that's fair. <laughs> so, I mean, you're talking about these investigations. I'm just reading your listing here on, on, cause your game's on drive through It is for yes. those that want the, the PDF. Um, I do know you had physical copies at the convention, but in any case, you know, you're saying, you know, mysteries involve, you know, haunted houses, obviously, cold cases and even uh cryptid sightings we've hunted down mothman in some of our games yes <laughs> no i just didn't you know you know like i said i i gathering then you went for much more of the instead of just quote unquote ghost hunting you went for much more of paranormal investigation yes in general. yes yeah so i the reason i say ghost hunting is because um, that is, that's the mainstream term. That is the thing that people, you, you say it and people have the image of, you know, the guys from TV with all of their gear. And, um, that, that was essentially why we branded it as the ghost hunting RPG. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it is designed as mostly like an investigation. Yeah, a paranormal investigation or supernatural investigation game. Uh, We have faced down, you know, killer clowns, possessed dolls, you know, searched out Mothman. Um, We've exercised schoolhouses, um, stopped serial killers who were stealing psychic powers. Uh, Like a little, we've dabbled into many, many realms. 
if your GM can think it, then you can probably find a way to do it. Uh, just, you know, if you start to venture out, it's, it's for one thing, it's a very modern setting. So if you start to try to take this and set it into any other timeline that was, say, over 100 years old, it's going to get a little harder. You might be much more restricted on classes, but you could absolutely take some of the like medium, the medium, the clairvoyance, um, some of the psychic classes in particular, uh, the, or even like the occultist, and toss them into, say, you know, Victorian era. You can make that work. But the way we have mostly designed it is to be using equipment that people would recognize from ghost hunting shows. Appreciate that you're doing a modern setting or a more modern setting because I think I've seen games that are like, oh, it's, you know, perfect example of this is straight up Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Standard Call of Cthulhu, yeah, it has the rule set to play in modern, but it's more so set in that like 1930s. It's like, right. This doesn't like this isn't something that we want to, you know what I mean? So I appreciate yeah. hearing that it's aimed towards a more modern setting. That's awesome. I would say that we have enough flexibility that you could take the idea of Call of Cthulhu, toss it into modern times, and use the mechanics and and pretty much all of the character classes. You could make that work. I would also say that you could say, I want to play in the 1930s, but I want to use this rule set instead. And almost all of the classes would be usable. You might have to do a little bit more like fluff and role play stuff to say, make like the engineer work using just essentially any technology that was available to you in 1930, but theoretically it could work. And then as I said, Basically, the further you go back, the more classes you would kind of be crossing off as usable, but you could still use a, a solid chunk of them to make the game work. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I mean, you've got, you know, I'm sure a lot of, well, so much of modern technology has basis in stuff that is at least credited to Edison. and He died in 31, so... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can make it work. You just have to kind of know a little bit of what you're talking about to to make the timelines work. <laughs> yeah. It's role-playing games. If it doesn't work, just make it what make it up, make it work. <laughs> if it doesn't work, Wizards did it. <laughs> yeah. But no, I I I'm with Steve. I really like modern or near modern settings for games. My brain just clicks better with it. And then like two, there's so much out there just that you can just farm for ideas. Yeah. You know, how many shows on the travel channel or, <laughs> you know, cause I'm trying to think there was one, what's the one I watch it all the time. Or not, I don't watch it all the time, but I've watched it quite a bit and I'm trying to think it's mysteries of the abandoned uh, on travel channel. I think it's on travel channel. Yeah. Like, like the, uh, exploration unknown destination truth, like, so many things you could take. Those are like the real things, you know, you could take any of these unsolved mysteries or, or great mysteries that they delve into and in research, take it and form a plot into it. Or what I like to do is take shows that I know my friends haven't seen, like say uh, Disney channel. So weird or mm -hmm. uh, the show India uh, eerie Indiana. I like to take oh. old episodes of those that I know my friends haven't seen. And literally steal the entire plot to form my mystery. And they never know. Yeah. I haven't thought about Erie, Indiana in so long. I just went back and rewatched uh, a bunch of them because I was looking for plot ideas. <laughs> you would be surprised. And, and we've talked about, like, this is something that comes up on our show pretty regularly. You would be surprised at how you can actually steal even stuff that your friends do know and just throw it at them in a different like minor different context and they'll never pick yeah. up on it. Yeah. <laughs> take, you know, and I, I, I've never watched Erie, Indiana, but I'm saying take the, the basic plot line from an episode of that and stuff it in some weird location from, you know, mysteries of the abandoned. Yeah. They're not going to get it until the end probably. And then if they do, they still think it was cool. So yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. No, this is, I'm yeah. I got to, we got to play this. <laughs> no, I'm really wishing I had bought a copy instead of just wishing I had bought a copy. I, yes, I will say that anybody listening, we currently do not actually sell the physical books unless you find us at a show. We do not sell them online. You cannot get them from anywhere except me. That might be changing in the future. 
I won't say the details yet because it's we haven't worked out how it's going to work. But there might be a local Pittsburgh shop that might start carrying them. And mm. uh, based on where we met, guys, you might be able to figure out yeah. what store might end up carrying There's them. There's two options. And given our previous conversation, I think I know which one. Although the other one would probably carry it happily as well. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm not super interested in doing some like a mass distribution quite yet because um, right now everything was very locally produced. So I'm, I haven't worked out the logistics on how we would mass market it. But to let one game shop possibly carry it, uh, that you know, like I, I can work out something with the person who runs it, we might just do that. And then if anybody wants to pick it up, um, they'll be able to get it through them. Cool. Cool. So. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's that, and then it, but it is available online for anybody who prefers PDFs because you live a minimalist lifestyle and like Control F, it is there. Well, my problem with digital files of RPGs is I forget that I have them. <laughs> uh, yes, I I co- totally know that because I have a library of. Oh boy, what did I get that one? <laughs> that's why you have to have you have to have a hard drive that's just undersized for what you need. So every couple months you got to go through and be like, oh, I forgot, I got I got this, I got that, I got this. That's what I have to do. Oh man, yeah, no, she I, runs I, a I podcast, Steve. She has to have massive audio storage. Well, yes. Luckily, I keep a lot of it on uh, Dropbox and then get rid of it when I don't need the raw files anymore. Right. And uh, just pray that nothing happens to my <laughs> final edited versions. Um, oh boy. <laughs> We just rely on the faith of the cloud and Yeah. <laughs> I have an editor do all my audio work. I'm terrible with technical stuff, so I send it off to a professional and they fix it all for me and then I just keep that file. <laughs> uh Steve is the uh complaints department. Steve does the editing. <laughs> Steve uh manages all of our digital stuff. Mm-hmm. Steve manages our social media. Yeah. Yeah. Steve does it all. The only thing Steve hasn't done is created our logo. <laughs> In which That's case, true. Steve's sister did it. <laughs> I will say, you know what? I'm going to just shout out my artist uh, because I feel like I want, like I have to name drop her. One thing I have been told with the Demon Files is that the artwork is very catchy. And uh, if you have seen, if you had a moment to look at any of the like tarot cards that we had, out we have a set of cards that are each of our character classes um our artwork is almost entirely done by a pittsburgh artist uh gabrielle burke art um she's done most of my stuff and it is fantastic and i truly do not believe that we would have like i do not think that we would have found the the success that we have found if we did not have her artwork because it is catchy and i feel like it definitely embodies the kind of vibe we go for art is important guys that is one tip one tip, any aspiring uh, game designer out there, art is very important. Don't don't cut on that. Like, don't skimp on your art budget. Well, I think art is a lot of times what gets the book picked up in the first place, in a, in a, especially in a physical format. Absolutely. They say don't judge a book by its cover, but come on, we all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. So I, um, I drove to D.C. Uh, earlier in the week. Uh, I'm a big fan of the two guys that used to do BuzzFeed Unsolved. Mm-hmm. They have started their own production company. They have their own show called The Ghost Files, which I, my book came out first. I will say The Deepman Files predated that. <laughs> you can look at the pub date, but uh, I really love them. And they had announced a live show in D.C., I snatched tickets, drove down to see them, and I took books with me because nothing like it. One of my dreams was to get these guys my book because they've done the ghost hunting stuff. They are, you know, creators who started small and then found massive success. And uh, they also um, did a brief quarantine series about Dungeons and Dragons where, you know, they they did a like a play with me and did Dungeons and Dragons. So I wanted to get them my book and I had two copies and what I hadn't realized I had done was I had put it so that the the covers, right, were the front covers were both facing outwards when I was holding them. 
they did a and a I got up there, I was able to ask a question and say, I would really love to give these to you. Can I please give these to you? You know, you helped inspire me to create this. And they're like, yes, sure, come on up. So like I took this up there and I'm carrying the books, right? Not thinking that no matter which way I'm holding them, people can see the cover. Totally accidental. <laughs> and through the audience, I could hear people being like, oh, that, that look at that, that art is so cool. Look at that cover, that looks awesome. And I had to tell my artist this because I'm like, look, once again, like, I don't think people would have been saying that if we didn't have it. And then it also meant that when they held up the books and like took it and like said goodbye to everybody, no matter which way they held it, the cover was facing out. So we have a picture of them standing there waving goodnight, holding the book. And it is it was like made one of my dreams come true. Free publicity is the best publicity. (laughs) It was, oh, I mean, it was free, but uh, I mean, I did have to drive to DC um, after work to make the show. So, (laughs) but um, no, that's, that's, yeah, artwork, very important. More of the story, guys. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you're keeping it local, right? Like, I try. Mm -hmm. I I love hearing that you hired a Pittsburgh based artist and and they're the one doing the work. And that's awesome to hear because. And the the hardbacks are printed in Chambersburg. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, those are even local, too. Yeah, which is why it's not really mass-produced right now is because of where I get the books. So I was going to say, I had talked to contacts, you know, within the industry, and I had heard there's really only one good small-run printer for RPGs in the U.S., and it was not there. No, this one is, they do, I'll, I'll just tell people because that's, this is how I do it. This is how I get my hardbacks printed for everything. Um, It's just Ingram Spark, which is a book, like a, a US-based um printer. And you can like get your own, you know, stuff printed and, you know, put your own, you know, ISBN up there. You could credit the publisher, but they have, a, I think, maybe three or four printers in the United States. And I like them because one of them is in Chambersburg. So like mm-hmm. literally if the, if the world came to an end and they had my books, but couldn't ship them, I could literally drive there and get them <laughs> if I needed them. So for me, I'm like, yes, this is definitely more expensive. Um, my margin is not high. I will say on those books, but I feel better knowing that I, the quality is good and it's, you know, it's, it's people just like, a couple hours away from me who are doing the printing. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's, that's a good thing. And, um, you know, I think there has been some major lessons learned uh, in the past two years for anybody looking to create, but looking for the most cost effective options, I'll say. Uh, those options are often not in the United States. But the trade-off is, is that when supply chain issues happen, you don't know if you're ever going to get your product. So, right. We've, you know, heard a lot of that from different creators. and Yeah. Look at Kickstarter. I mean, so many <sighs> projects still, it's been a year, two years. Projects haven't been filled because that's where their supply chains are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was determined to not have that happen to me. Yeah. Well, it's, I know, you know, we uh, know another crowd. I don't know if you're familiar with Chris Spivey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The name I definitely know. Uh, he did Harlem Unbound and Haunted okay. West, or what he's okay. Yes, 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 yes. All right, yeah. Well, we've talked to him a couple times, and when he got when he got the prints of Haunted West, which mm-hmm. is an enormous book. In fact, here, just hang on a quick second. That one, yeah, Haunted West is the one that I've de- I've heard before because people really want me to play a game like that. <laughs> oh my a, god, that is a beast. It's a history telling. Oh, look at that art. That art is catchy. Oh yes, it's it's a gorgeous book, and it's it's not a cheap book. Um, no, but it's also pushing eight hundred pages. Yeah. And Chris told us uh, about a month ago on the air. He said he likely will never do a print on demand run of it. You can't. No, he said it as thick as that book is. The thinnest version that he could, because he proofed it to see what it would do the thinnest version of print on demand he could get would be like another inch and a half thicker. Yeah. And for those yeah. who can't see the book is already it's massive. an inch and a half thick. Yeah. You're looking at, you know, an encyclopedia. It's a, it's a history tome. It's a fantastic book. If mm-hmm. you haven't gotten a chance to pick it up. I haven't, uh, but that's the one people, some of my friends are, like, you know what genre we haven't played yet. <laughs> <laughs> I will say two places you can get physical copies. Yeah. Uh, Artel Sorian was helping him distribute 
distribute it, and they had a few copies left as of the last we talked to him, and Indie Press Revolution. Yeah. Okay. Um, but originally, when they got shipped, they literally sent pallets to Chris's house, and he had them in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I filled everything myself, and it was a pain. <laughs> yeah. It was rough. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you do we have any listener questions? No, we don't. Okay. I actually don't know if I remember to post this one for them because I arranged it so late. Sorry, patrons. <laughs> yes, my fault. My bad. I'm sorry. We'll get you. With that, why don't you go ahead and plug everything and anything you would like our audience to know, like where you can be found, other shows, any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me, I'll give you a quick rundown of my things again. So I've got two books, Echoes and Ashes and Earth and Ashes. They follow Dr. Jateman's team. Um, the first one follows uh, Eli, a dude who's down on his luck. Um, he suffers from, uh, he, um, he is a post-cognitive, uh, so he can see what he calls echoes of the past, which are often very traumatic and show up at inopportune times. Uh, he goes, uh, accepts a job with Dr. Deepman, they go to a haunted asylum, and shenanigans ensue. Uh, you can get that on Amazon. Um, there is a paperback and a um, uh, Kindle ebook, but you can only get hardbacks through me if you ever see me. Uh, Earth and Ashes is the sequel, comes out on Halloween. Um, also on Amazon paperback and um, the ebook is pre-order. That one follows some of Dr. Deepman's team as they go to an Irish castle that is uh, being converted to in a bed and breakfast. And um, it is haunted because, hey, aren't all Irish castles haunted? The podcast you can find, it is The Deepman Files, The Paranormal Mystery. It is on most major podcasting networks. Everything but Apple, because I couldn't get my account to authenticate. Um, each episode is about 30 minutes. So if you're looking for, say, a bite-sized chunk to listen to over like lunch breaks, this could be for you. Um, each episode is its own investigation. And over the 13 episodes, it has a larger unraveled investigation. Again, this is an audio drama. This is not about the RPG. Um, then finally, the RPG you can get on drivethroughrpg.com. I'm on all socials under the Deepman Files. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, check me out on my website, thedeepmanfiles.com. We have a link to our community Discord there as well, where we will sometimes post extra resources. Um, I guess two quick games that I'll plug that are not mine um, are one uh, that's been heavily influencing some of my gameplay and everything. It's actually a setting. So what you could do is take the Dietman files as your rule book and then get this setting and play it. It's called Dusk Hollow. And um, it is by the guys who did the Magnus Archives, if anybody's another, you know, if yeah, you're yeah, podcast yeah. fans. So they actually, the Rusty Quill, uh, created Dusk Hollow, which is, uh, they tag it something like a town that's like not that far away from, you know, Arkham or Innsmouth, but also not that far away from Night Vale. Um, it's kind of like that weird little town in on maybe the East Coast. It's always rainy, always dreary. Your neighbor might be a reptile person. The mayor's office is definitely run by a cult and uh, like weird stuff happens all the time. There are only two rules. One, ghosts don't exist. And if you believe in ghosts, you're crazy. And two, the characters are never allowed to laugh because this is a very dark, gritty, serious world and laughing is not a thing. Um, it's uh, about investigations primarily. So it's I had a lot of fun. That is the one where I would take a lot of uh, eerie Indiana episodes and turn it into plots for Dusk Hollow using the Demon Files rule. And then finally, it's not out yet. Um, I have permission to name drop it. It should be coming out in, I think, February on Kickstarter. I have been playtesting another Powered by the Apocalypse system for like two years now. Actually, two years today, um, I have been playtesting this game. Um, it is called Modern Gods, and it is very much, say, if you like something like American Gods, you know, the idea of old gods or new gods in a modern setting trying to stay hidden live their life and deal with the waning uh belief that they're they're dealing with this could be for you i have had a blast playing with it and that i think is going to kickstarter in about february so that Sweet. is the one i would recommend people check out or keep on their radar for when it comes out we will keep that on the radar and yes. maybe ask you a couple questions about that when the podcast. Well, get here. that, or I can help you get the creator on because he's the yeah. one I've been playtesting with. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe we can get some contacts going from you. Here. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, with that, I think we're going to go ahead and I know you sort of did your two there. Uh, we'll move into our segment called Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! You can do another one if you want. Yeah, if you want to do a third one, you're welcome to it. I'll, I'll mow it over. I don't know. Okay. All right, that's <laughs> fine. Steve, you want me to go first? Sure, go ahead. All right, I have a game in quotations. Okay. It's called Cyst. C-Y-S-T. It is a game about making your own dying fantasy world. My immediate thought was take this, pair that with Morkborg, and make your own settings for Morkborg. It's everything you need to create your own setting. Adventures, monsters, dungeons, and treasure. It contains rules for a rules-like coin flip system that you and your friends can play in the created setting, bursting with colorful, illuminated and evocative collages. It seems like a really interesting world builder, if you want to call it that. It's all of $2 on DriveThruRPG. But yeah, I looked at this and my brain immediately went, I should take this and use it to make use it to make a Morkboard game set in like, I don't know, like yeah. the 1970s dirty grimy Ralph Bakshi style fantasy stuff, right? Yeah, you could do it. Well, for $2 and it's a whole bunch of prompts. I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's it for anything. Any, yeah, exactly. And it's a collaborative thing. So it's one of the, that's encouraged that you, you let your players build the world with you. So that's yeah. awesome. That's always good to have at a table, but yeah, two bucks to have in your bag is a, as a tool set. I think it's worth it. Oh yeah, for two bucks, heavens yes. Just use it to generate ideas. Right. All right. Well, I was looking at something else, and then I ran across this thing from the same publisher as that something else, and it feels like it's appropriate for, you know, October, spooky season, Halloween. Steve, did you know that there's a role-playing game out based on the Angel TV series? I did, yes, I did. I did know yeah. this. I looked at it, and I was excited, and then I was less excited because it's Angel. Uh, well, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, that's what it is. It's Unisystem, which I don't know a ton about other than I do know someone who really, really loves Unisystem mm -hmm. and it claims to be very good for, you know, cinematic and story stuff. So, um, yeah, but I mean, this is, you know, it's Angel, the role-playing game. So you get what's on the cover. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched the show a lot, but it seems thematic at the very least. I like Angel. I always did. I liked it more than Buffy, and that's that's like blasphemy to most people, but I, I don't know. I always thought Angel was more interesting. But I see that face you're making. <laughs> you you have thoughts. No, no. Uh my my thoughts are far more blasphemous, actually. Oh, okay. So they're that I was never a fan of either. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I mean <laughs> Yeah, I have my reasons why I don't like Buffy, and I think Angel's entertaining, at least. Yeah, there. Yeah, Re reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have. I did think of one more game. I that if I could plug it, we're talking about thematic things. I'm working on the playtesting for it. Can't give a, a date for the actual release, uh, but I know there are socials out there for it, including a really great playlist on Spotify. Uh, it's called League of Reapers. And that one, um, there's not a whole lot in whole lot of info out um, yet. Uh, but you literally play as a Grim Reaper, and a lot of it is like very middle management. Uh, so if anybody's ever seen the show like Dead Like Me, think of it kind of hmm. like that, where that be fun. you might be like the the big bad Grim Reaper, or you might actually be the person who's sitting there stamping which underworld people are supposed to go to and dealing with the issues when things get crossed and spirits won't cr like actually cross over. Um, I'm really excited to start going and doing the playtesting for it. Um, I have that coming up in just a few weeks to start my weekend long playtests. Um, but the thematic one that I know is coming out and people can start following on socials for more info when it's released, League of Reapers. Cool. You know what I think would be really fun, Steve? Hmm. Mash that with Hell Knight. Oh, that would be fun. I just, I, my brain, I've been on a bad sitcom binge recently. <laughs> and so my brain went to play League of Reapers, but like the good place. 
Yes, actually, that it seems very much that you could do something like that based on the the design. Nice. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Well, I was just gonna <laughs> say. I mean, thank you very much for coming to talk with us. This thank sounds you for like having a, me. Amazingly fun game to play. I'm definitely gonna have to to at least get myself the PDF here at some point. Even though you know I don't exactly not have many games to read and go through already. I <laughs> know. <laughs> hey, I totally understand. <laughs> But, yeah. Oh gosh! Oh, don't hurt yourself. That's a lot of books. <laughs> That's just you're part gonna of the snack. you're gonna crush yourself under those. How much <laughs> did you spend at the con? <laughs> well, like some of it was like I bought this because I've been wanting this for a while, and I bought the GM screen because I know if I play it, I'm going to be the one running it. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, with all that being said, as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Patreon, Discord, Facebook, Twitter other things nah we want to again thank you for coming on the podcast talk to us today remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some rpgs yep take care y'all thank you have a good one intro and outro music by the band 12 noon you can email us at me and steve rpg at gmail.com you can find us on twitter and rpgs find us on facebook at me and steve rpg podcast on discord at me and steve rpgs and as always all of these links are in the show notes thank you and be kind to one another for the cigar cigar 20 bucks dog you gotta go down the street to the store and buy that